All right. Well, welcome back, and uh, good to see you here, those of you that are here, and a few folks that are tuning in, I'm sure, by way of live stream this morning, and uh, looking forward to a great time together around God's Word. We're going to sing this morning, number 231 in the songbooks, if you have one at home. If not, it's Jesus Saves, Jesus Saves. And uh, you can look it up on Google for the lyrics or something. You can sing along with us. Number 231, we'll sing all four verses, Jesus Saves. We have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Spread the tidings all around, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Bear the news to every land, climb the steeps and cross the ways. Onward tis our Lord's command, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Wafted on the rolling tide, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Tell to sinners far and wide, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing ye islands of the sea, echo back ye ocean caves. Earth shall keep her jubilee. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing above the battle strife. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. By His death and endless life. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Sing it softly through the gloom. When the heart for mercy craves. Sing in triumph for the tomb. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Highest hills and deepest caves. This our song of victory. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Amen. Well, what a great promise this morning. And we just got done with our Resurrection Week celebration last week. And uh, boy, it's a wonderful thing as God's people to have this blessed hope, uh, knowing that the Lord Jesus Christ has saved us from our sin. And, um, you know, John, I believe it was, wrote, These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. And I'm thankful this morning that we know that we have eternal life by putting our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood on Calvary. And if you're here this morning you don't know that, I would encourage you this, this morning or this afternoon to uh, take the time to go to the Lord and ask Him to come into your heart and save you. Put your faith in Him and uh, let Him uh, forgive you of your sin and give you a home in heaven for all of eternity. He doesn't make it difficult. He makes it very simple. Uh, God that loves us the way that the Bible says He loves us would certainly not make it difficult for people to come to Him. He would make it very easy. He would pay the price. He would give it away as a free gift. And uh, But we have to accept it. We have to be the ones to reach out and say, Lord, that's what I'm trusting in. And um, so I want to encourage you in that. And uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We'll ask for the Lord's blessing on the service, and we'll sing another song or two. Father, we're so thankful for your blessings to us. We're thankful for the time we've already spent together in the Sunday school hours. We've studied a little bit of the life of Joseph. We pray that you'll bless and use uh, the, the message this morning uh, as we deal with um, uh, truth that 
uh, will be a help to us as Christians. It will grow us. Uh, it will help us become more of what we ought to be. And Lord, I pray that as we leave the, the time together today, whether it be by live stream or here live, I pray that you would help us to love you more than we did this morning when we woke up. And that we will uh, every day grow in such a way that it will get sweeter and sweeter as the days go by. That there will be more love for you. There will be more consecration and dedication, more commitment to you. That there will be more faithfulness to you. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to work in our hearts with your Holy Spirit. That we would never get to a place where we feel like we do not need any more growth or any more direction from you. But, Father, we come to you as a, as a people that are very needful for you to show us things in our lives, no matter how long we have been saved, that you would help us to grow daily. So, Father, we do pray that you would bless the time that we spend here together. Bless those that we've mentioned by way of prayer requests this morning already, and, Lord, the needs that are there. Uh, touch those situations and have your perfect will and way. And, Lord, may we bring honor and glory to you in all that we say and all that we do here today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's turn to number 272, if you will. Number 272. <clears throat> My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. And uh, I want us to sing all the verses this morning, all four of them. Number 272, uh, The Solid Rock. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When darkness veils His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath, His covenant, His blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground, <coughs> all other ground is sinking sand. I love that last verse. When he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. Boy, I tell you, when we look at who we are, the fact that we can stand faultless before God is an amazing miracle, isn't it? You know, the greatest miracle the Lord Jesus Christ ever did was the salvation of a man's soul. What an amazing thought if you think of that. 
Number 297, if you will, we'll make this our final song. All four verses, God will take care of you. And uh, I think a fitting song for the times that we're in today. We'll sing all four verses. Number 297. <coughs> Be not dismayed, whatever betide, God will take care of you. Beneath His wings of love abide, God will take care of you. God will take care of you. Through every day or all the way, He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Through days of toil when heart doth fail, God will take care of you. When dangers fierce your path assail, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. All you may need, He will provide. God will take care of you. Nothing you ask will be denied. God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. No matter what may be the test, God will take care of you. Lean weary one upon His breast, God will take care of you. God will take care of you through every day or all the way. He will take care of you. God will take care of you. Amen. Boy, what a promise. Isn't that amazing? <clears throat> I, I uh, never cease to be amazed as we think more and more about who God is, why He bothers. Uh, I'm so thankful for that. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us, we all let, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And um, I think there, there ought to be a revival among God's people. There ought to be a stirring among God's people of praising God for the things that He has done, not just for us, but for humanity in general. The fact that He has uh, brought salvation to us when we certainly did not deserve it. The fact that He meets our needs, what an amazing thought. Uh, the idea that He protects us. The Bible says He's our fortress and our high tower, our shield. He's our buckler. Uh, boy, it's just amazing uh, that God would do those things for you and I. And I hope we rejoice in that on a regular basis. I hope it's something that we uh, get excited about. And uh, that's one of those things that will make a Baptist shout even. And, uh, you know, I've been in, um, I've been in meetings where they uh, have stirred a lot of emotion. But I'm thankful that when we think upon God, our hearts are stirred by His Holy Spirit. And I'd much rather be stirred by the Holy Spirit of God than to be stirred by just a fake emotional thing that God puts out or that, that man puts out there. And uh, I hope that God will use His Word and the uh, leading of His Holy Spirit to stir our hearts this morning. Let's turn in the book of Acts, chapter number 16. 
Acts chapter number 16. <clears throat> I love the book of Acts, and uh, many of you have uh, a Bible that if you go to the very first part of the book, you'll find that the title that it has been given is the Acts of the Apostles. And I, I certainly understand what the people who gave the title is, but I really prefer, and this is just my own personal preference, I, like, I prefer it to read the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the lives of the apostles. Because the truth is, there's nothing that those men could have done without the Lord Jesus Christ, without the Holy Spirit uh, enabling them. And uh, a lot of what we deal with in the book of Acts is the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to spend some time, we, we in our Baptist circles uh, sometimes are a little shy to deal with the topic of the Holy Spirit, but I'm so thankful that we have the Holy Spirit, don't you? I'm thankful that God told us He would send another comforter. And uh, I'm thankful that He does His work in us. And we're going to spend some time today in Acts chapter number 16, Lord willing, uh, explaining and, and trying to show from Scripture the results of being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. We teach on it so often that we as God's people need to be sensitive to this. I'm thankful that when we get saved, the Holy Spirit comes to reside inside of us. And He lives in us. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says. And that He lives inside of us. But beyond Him living inside of us, I'm thankful that He strengthens us, that He guides us, that He teaches us, that He comforts us, that He convicts us. And so many roles that the Holy Spirit uh, has in our lives. And so the, the idea of being submitted and yielded to Him to being sensitive to Him, I think is a, a crucial subject, uh, one that perhaps we neglect way more than we should. I look back to some of the great, great revivals, um, men that just seem to have the power of God resting upon their ministries, not because they were of any significance, but the God that they were uh, yielded to and walking with and um, uh, living in a life that was pleasing toward, that God was so mighty to work in their ministries. And I've heard so often, I've shared this, I heard a preacher one time say with regards to revivals like that happening again, he said, well, all we can do as God's people is set our sails so that the wind of the Holy Spirit can catch them should He choose to blow upon them. And I think that all we can do is put ourselves in a position for revival and then let God do what He will. And uh, we're going to look at that. Look with me, if you will, in Acts chapter number 16. We're going to look in verse number 6 and read down through uh, probably about verse number 10 or so. Now, when they had gone throughout uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after they were come to uh, Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they passed by Mycenae and came... Uh, came down to Troas, and they passing by Mycenae, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Father, we pray once again that you will bless the time that we spend here together. And for the next few moments, Lord, I pray that you will give your guidance and your wisdom that we would rightly divide your word. We certainly do not want to be an embarrassment or harm 
to your cause, but we certainly want to proclaim the Word with power and that it will do its effective work in our hearts and our lives. And Lord, I pray that you would help to illuminate this passage, that we would have full and clear understanding of it. And Lord, I ask that you would allow us to live day by day with a yieldedness to the leading of your Holy Spirit, that we will be able to be well-pleasing to you, that we will be able to bear much fruit because of the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We pray that you'll bless all that is said and done. And Lord, that most importantly today, we want to bring glory to you and honor to you. We want to lift you up. and We want men to be able to see you and be drawn closer to you. And so, Lord, if you would allow us for the next few moments to lay aside the cares and the burdens of this life, Lord, so many things right now in the day we're living that seem to burden our hearts and distract our minds from you, I pray that for the next few moments you would help us to put them to the side and allow us to rest our hearts and our minds upon you in the truth of your word. Do your work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want us to notice a few things here, and we've got to be so careful. There were some things, Acts is a transitional book, and there are some things that Acts dealt with in the early church that were there for the purpose of validating the ministry of the apostles that we do not see in the day that we live. Uh, There were certain signs, certain things that were given in the book of Acts that uh, do not happen on a regular occurrence today. And so we have to be very careful to understand the, uh, the purpose and the uh, design of the book of Acts. And yet there are some very valuable truths that we can learn from it that will affect us and be applicable to us today. And I want us to know this as we get into this subject of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> that there are, there are times that we uh, look at things that our will wants to do, our flesh wants to do, uh, And then there are times that we believe something to be God's will. And I've said so often before that really one of the greatest battles and the secret of victorious Christian living is one choice. And that is the choice between my will or God's will. And we make that on a daily basis many, many times throughout the day. And that really is the secret to the Christian life. And yet so often we put on God's side of the equation things that really probably would have been better off on our side of the equation. And a lot of people question this and say, well, I wonder, how do we know? How do we know when it is something that I want to do and something that the Holy Spirit wants for me to do? We're going to attempt to answer some of those questions today in this passage. But I want you to notice this. As we get to verse number 6, the Apostle Paul is is here, and he says, Now, when we had gone throughout uh, Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Now, this is interesting to me. Certainly there was persecution going on. But we have other examples in Scripture of the Apostle Paul coming into a city and faced with persecution, he still preached the gospel. But here we find that Paul is in Asia and he makes this statement in verse number 6 that the Holy Ghost forbid him to preach in Asia. There's a distinction here between uh, people saying, well, I'm going to do this because I'm, I'm going to be steadfast and I'm going to preach in spite of the persecution. And yet there are some times that perhaps the Holy Ghost, for whatever His own reasonings are, may say, no, you're not allowed to do that right now. 
if you read on down, verse number 7. And as they were come to uh, Mycenae, they essayed to go into Bithynia. But notice again, the Holy, uh, but the Spirit suffered them not. On two distinct occasions, and this is something that really, when we preach on the Holy Spirit, we don't preach a whole lot on this part of it. But there are things that the Holy Spirit leads us to do, and we love preaching on that and the sensitivity for that. But I want to share with you this morning that part of being sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit is understanding that there are times that the Holy Spirit will also forbid us. Now, in our minds, we think, okay, He would forbid us not to drink and not to smoke and not to do all of these worldly things. But I want you to notice what Paul's desire was in these verses. Paul's desire was to what? In, in verse number 7, or verse number 6, notice what it says here. We were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to what? To preach the Word in Asia. You know, if we're not careful, a preacher may preach on this topic, and a lot of people say, well, that's heresy. No, that's Bible. Paul understood the urgency and the necessity and the absolute dependence on being yielded and sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. Not just in what He should have done. But this is the area we many times fail in. Also in the areas of things that we should not do. There have been many, many times, when I, when I first became a, a pastor years ago back uh, down in Florida, uh, when I first became a pastor, my mindset then was, if God opens a door of opportunity, if there's a door of opportunity for our ministry, every single time it's God's will that we walk through it. And I learned the hard way that that was not always true. Because there are doors of opportunity that will happen in a ministry that the Holy Spirit was not the one responsible for it. There will be times that we'll look at and say, well, that will allow us to do more ministry, but if it's not of the Holy Spirit, we should not have any part of it. We have to be careful of this, and I'm not sitting here this morning saying we need to do less ministry. What I'm saying is we are so quick to say I'm sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in what I should do. We are so slow to understand that there are some times that the Holy Spirit says, I don't want you to do that. In fact, Paul said it this way, he forbid us to do it. He, he did not let us do this. He said, we even tried to go to some other cities, and he said this, he suffered us not to do that there. It wasn't that Paul didn't have a desire to preach. I'll say this, it wasn't that God did not desire for those people to hear the gospel. But God had a perfect plan that Paul was not aware of. And it was important and it was crucial that Paul be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit in these matters. If, if Paul lived in our day and something like this were to come up, there would be a lot of good, independent, Bible-believing, fundamental, King James Version, Baptist preachers that would have looked at his decision and said, Paul, you're not right. You had an opportunity to preach, and you're not going to take it? How often we allow our will to come into the place of where really God's will wants to be. And all I'm saying is this, that we need to get to a place where we are not so stubbornly minded, even in good things, that we fail to say, I'm sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
that I fail to say, you know what, just, just for the sake of being steadfast, just for the sake of saying I'm always pursuing and pressing toward the mark, I'm going to always do these things. That's not a good statement to say. We should say, by God's will, I will do these things. Because I'll tell you this, any time we attempt to do God's work, God's way, but without God's power, we will be destined to fail. And I've seen a lot of times, in fact, the sad fact of the matter is many times in my own ministry, I've been guilty of doing God's work, what I believe to be God's way from Scripture, but lacking God's power. And I'll tell you, it is not a fun position to be in. We find here that Paul is sensitive and he sees two different times where his desire was to go and preach the gospel. But the Spirit suffered them not. And notice it says in verse number 8, And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. <laughs> I love this. Verse number 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Now let me stop for a moment. Who is, who is Paul relying on for his direction at this point in the passage? He's relying on the Holy Spirit, isn't he? And can I tell you this? When we are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, while we don't believe that God gives a vision now because we have the full revelation of Scripture, we do believe that the Holy Spirit gives vision. We do believe that He helps to open our eyes and to see the need and understand the direction. The Bible teaches quite clearly, oftentimes, that we are not to slumber as others. We're to be awake. The Bible teaches quite clearly that we're to walk circumspectly. We're to be looking around and understanding the times and the seasons that we live in. And can I tell you this, that when we are yielded and sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, one of the results of that will be that our vision will be cleared. I'm reminded of the blind man that the Lord Jesus Christ healed. And he took and he put the, the healing on his eyes. And he said, how do you see? And he said, I see men as trees walking around. And Jesus had to do a second touch on him, not because God wasn't able to do it the first time, but he was teaching us a valuable lesson that there needs to be a full dependence on some things here. And the idea being that there needs to be a vision that only God can give. There's a vision that you and I need to have God's touch on us. And from time to time, he needs to touch it again. And from time to time, that vision begins to wane, and we don't see things as clearly as we ought to. And God needs to touch again. I remember when I was a kid, years ago, I was in sixth grade, and I was struggling. The teacher would write things on the blackboard. I sat in the very back of the class, it was where we had assigned seats, and they put us back there. And I used to tell my teacher, I can't see the blackboard. And so she moved me up, and then she moved me up, and she moved me up, and finally I was in the front row. And she would write things on the board, and I would tell her, and, and she thought I was trying to be, you know, I was a preacher's kid, so everybody expects them to be bad. So uh, she thought I was just trying to be obnoxious in class, but I said, ma'am, I really cannot see the board. And she had to start allowing me to get up out of my chair in the front row and walk closer to the blackboard and write the stuff down on the blackboard because I couldn't see them. And she gave a test or quiz on the blackboard, it cost me time of studying and, and or, or doing the test to, to walk up to the board and try to write this stuff down. So she finally went to my dad one day, and she said, either he's trying to disrupt my class or he's got some problems with his eyes. 
And my dad, my dad, you had to know him to love him. Not really. Everybody loved him. I knew of him. But uh, he, uh, he always liked to doctor himself. He, he didn't believe in doctors. And we used to call him Dr. Dad all the time. He, he's done surgery on my leg before in the middle of our living room. He's dug into my leg with uh, tweezers and needles and gone in for a piece of steel that was in my calf muscle. Uh, he's, he's done all kinds. Of, I have no idea to this day where he got it from. But somewhere he got an eye chart from a doctor's office, and he had it in his office. I have no idea why. He's a pastor. And so he sticks this thing up on the wall. He has me stand about three feet from it and says, Now what, what letters can you read? And I squinted real hard, and I said, E. <laughs> he was at the very top, E, you know. He said, your eyes are good. Go back to class. <laughs> Went back to class. My grades were suffering. I mean, I could not see. Finally, I don't know if my mom, my mom talked to him or what, but uh, somehow uh, they finally took me to the eye doctor. And uh, back then there was Ecker Drugs. We went down there, and the guy did my... My eyesight. We didn't have the one-hour vision back then. You had to order them, and it took about ten days to get your glasses. And the whole ten days, I mean, I'm counting down the days. I can't see a thing. And uh, I remember the day we went to go get them, and we put the glasses on. They fitted them to my face. We're sitting there. I'm looking at the, the guy that was fitting the glasses, and he's right there. And I can see him, but I could always see things up close to me. I remember walking out of his office, and we walked up to the cash register. I didn't know that you could read the price tags on the little things that they hung behind the cash register. I had never seen them before. I mean, I saw a little blur of yellow for the tag. I didn't know you could read the writing on them. I thought you had to walk back there or ask the lady what they were. I never knew that. Not one time did I ever know that. I could not remember a time in my life I ever had seen that. I remember walking out of the store. <laughs> Brother Roberts, you, you've done lawn before. I didn't realize that from a distance, you could see individual blades of grass. I, I didn't know that was even possible. I thought everybody just saw it as a blur of green until you got close to it. And then you saw it. I didn't realize you could see leaves on trees from a distance. I always climbed up in them to see them. And to me, I mean, I'm in sixth grade. And for the first time I could remember in my life, I saw things clearly. It was amazing to me. I mean, I was so excited. I started, I thought I, you know, back then the $6 million man was one of the big TV shows. I thought I had bionic eyes. I did. I told my friend, Bill Rudd, he's lived across the street. I'd get out there. I said, man, I can see all the way. I can see way better than you. I can see all the way down there. And he'd be like, I've seen that my whole life. What's the big deal? You know, you know there's a joy when the Holy Spirit of God touches our vision and we begin to see things. When we are yielded and sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit, there will be some things that we will begin to understand. We're going to begin to see. Look with me, if you will, in John. Hold your place here, and we're going to come back to it. John chapter number 16. I want you to look at something with me here. Because I, I think so often in our Christian lives, we, we settle, like I did for all those years. We settle with, well, that's just all I'll ever know. That's all I'll ever see. When the truth of the matter is, if we would just simply be yielded to the Holy Spirit, He would touch our vision. We would be able to see things in such a clearer way. Look with me in John chapter number 16 and verse number 7. Jesus is speaking here and He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send Him unto you. I, I think it's interesting that Jesus 
God himself is with his disciples, and yet he said it's expedient for me to go away because then I'll send the Comforter. The fact that the Comforter was going to be with those disciples in fullness of power and allow them to continue in the things of the Lord was an expedient thing, something that was beneficial and gave them advantage in serving Him. And when He has come, verse number 8, He will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on Me. Of righteousness because I go to My Father and you see Me no more. Of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. So understand that, that Jesus is teaching some hard sayings, and he says there's some things I can't even tell you right now, because you're not able to deal with them. Now notice what verse 13 says, very important. Howbeit, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. When we are yielded to the Holy Spirit of God, all of a sudden spiritual things become very clear. The Bible says that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. What was, what was the writer saying? He was saying that there are some things that the Holy Spirit is the only one that can help us to see them clearly and plainly. That there's, a, there's something that is, that is, is given by God, uh, and that is the Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us. Now, what tool does the Holy Spirit use to help us with this? Well, the tool that He uses is God's Word. In Psalm 119, verse 135, it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. How often we find that the Bible is talked about as an illuminating thing, something that will shed abroad things in our hearts and our lives, along with and aided by the vision that the Holy Spirit gives us. Have you ever noticed this, that there are times you may read Scripture and there may be a passage that you kind of scratch your head on, and the first 20 or 30 times you read it in your lifetime, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And then one day, you sit down to read. And all of a sudden, boy, that verse just makes perfect sense. You ever notice that? That's because that's the Holy Spirit utilizing God's Word to make things clear in our lives. Being sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God will help us to have a clear vision. And he uses God's Word to do this. And I want you to notice some of the things that he helps us to see. He helps us to see that man is sinful. If it were not for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. You know the Bible says that a man cannot come to Christ unless the Holy Spirit draws him. There's got to be a convicting of the Holy Spirit in our hearts to show us our sinful nature. The Holy Spirit shows us this. It helps our vision to be clear on it. And by the way, the closer we are to God, the more yielded we are to His Holy Spirit, the more sinful and undone we see ourselves, and the more holy and just we see our God to be. And by the way, that helps us to grow in the fear of God, to have our, our lives growing in that right direction. Uh, he gives us victory of God, or a vision of God's justice over sin. If it were not for the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we would not understand how God views our sin. He shows us that God's love for mankind is unconditional and everlasting. The fact that He loved us so much, it shows us that He gives us a sacrifice for our sin so that man can be redeemed 
so that man can be uh, once again reconciled to God. Uh, the Holy Spirit shows us that. He gives us a clear vision of this. And when we're sharing the gospel with someone, the importance of us being yielded to the Holy Spirit in serving Him and sharing the gospel with somebody is so that that Holy Spirit can give vision to that person so they can see these things clearly for the first time. They see God's love for man. They see God's sacrifice and the redemption that is provided through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit helps us to see God's forgiveness. And the Holy Spirit helps us to see that God continues to work in our lives after we are saved. There's, there's, a, there's a, a way that we are to live. The Bible calls it the fruit of the what? The fruit of the Spirit. Isn't that amazing? Why? Because we're yielded to the Holy Spirit and He brings vision to us. We don't see men as trees walking about. I, we don't go around without our, spect, our spiritual glasses on and wondering what we're seeing out here. But He gives very clear vision. One of the great, great results of being yielded to the Holy Spirit of God is the vision that He brings into focus in our lives. The lost world takes a whole new focus. Right living and having a testimony pleasing to the Lord takes a, a whole new focus as we are yielded to Him. Our absolute lack of strength and achievement on our part and our, uh, our necessary dependence upon Him comes into clear vision as we are yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. We quit relying on our own strength when we're yielded to the Holy Spirit. We realize that without God we can do nothing. We become dependent upon Him. I want you to notice also as we get back to Acts chapter number 16, if you'll turn back there with me, I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit will always show us, as our vision is clear, the Holy Spirit will always show us the need. The need. Look with me, if you will, in verse number 9. And a vision appeared unto Paul, or to, to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. We find that there is a need of this world. And as our yieldedness to the Holy Spirit becomes what it should, our vision is cleared, and we are now able to see the need. You know, Jesus said to His disciples, Say not, there are yet four months unto harvest. He said, Lift up your eyes unto the fields and look. They are white already unto harvest. You know, we have a hard time seeing the need when we are not yielded to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We become self-consumed. We become egocentric. We become selfish. And everything revolves around what is pleasant to my life, what is good to my life. But when we become yielded to the Holy Spirit, He brings vision and clarity so that we can, for the first time perhaps, see the need of the lost world. Look with me, hold your place here in Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter number 8, just back a few chapters, in verse number 26. Acts chapter number 8 and verse number 26, we find the story of Philip. The Bible says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way, that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is uh, desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, 
under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit... said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him. Boy, I love that, don't you? He ran thither to his chariot and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? He desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the Scripture which you read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And like as a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same Scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And he went down. they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. We begin to see the need. Romans chapter number 10, if you'll take a moment and turn over there. Romans chapter number 10, verse number 14. Romans 10, verse 14, Paul writes, how then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? When we have a yieldedness to the Holy Spirit, He gives us vision, perhaps clarity for the first time. And I'll say this, that when we have the yieldedness of the Holy Spirit and our vision is clear, it is possible to quench and to grieve the Holy Spirit and to lose that vision. And there are times in our lives, and I have found it far more often than I like, that I have to say, Lord, I need to be yielded again. I need to get back to a place where I am sensitive to what your leading is in my life. Because I've lost my vision. I've lost it. I don't see the lost anymore. I don't see the need anymore. Or it's become dim or it's become faint. It doesn't, it doesn't burden my heart. It doesn't stir me with fervency any longer. And I know that in those moments of time that my heart needs to get back to a place of being yielded to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And then I want you to notice... That when we are yielded to the leading of the Holy Spirit, there will be a call on our life. I want you to notice what it says here. 
Verse number 10, And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia. Notice what he says, Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now notice in verses 6 and 7, Paul had tried to preach, and the Holy Spirit forbade him from doing it. The Holy Spirit got to the place where he says it was forbidden. It's not, I'm not going to suffer you to do this. But when the Holy Spirit was being yielded to by the Apostle Paul, he said, here's where I will let you preach. And he gives a call on, on, uh, on uh, Paul here. And, and I know a lot of preachers talk about the call of God on your life. And I think we, we far misunderstand what that is. It is nothing more than having a yieldedness to the Holy Spirit of God to where our vision is clear, the need is shown, and we respond to the call. Some people put some kind of superstitious mumbo-jumbo about this call of God that only certain people have a call of God on their lives. No, can I tell you this? Every Christian, if they are yielded to the Holy Spirit's leading, will have a call on their life. Now notice how we know what this call is, because this is something that, that I think can be misunderstood in the day we live. There were certain things that characterized this call in Paul's life that I believe characterizes the call of God in every person's life. Number one, there is an assurance in their hearts that this is what God wants me to do. Notice he says this in verse 10. He said, Assuredly, gathering that the Lord had called us. There was no doubt. Paul did not sit here and waver and say, Well, I think God might maybe want me to do this. Paul was assured of it. His vision was clear. The need was clear. And the call was clear. He was assured in his heart. I want you to notice, secondly, that there was the opportunity that the Holy Spirit brought before him. You say, is, is that important that the Holy Spirit be involved in opportunities that come our way? Yes, it is very important. Because even though Asia was wide open and there were people that needed to be saved in Asia, the Holy Spirit did not open that opportunity. I'll tell you this, I believe Paul could have opened that opportunity. I think Paul could have very easily said, boy, look at all these people out here in Asia that need to be saved, that need a gospel message preached, that need a church established in their whole town. Paul could have said, I can open this door of opportunity. And if we're not careful, we will see a need and we will try to open our own door of opportunity and we'll lose the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit after we see the need. And we don't put anything left into the call of God and God opening that door of opportunity for us. We tend to shut it after that. We tend to, to close that door. There will be opportunity that presents itself. Hold your finger here for a moment, and we're going to come back here in just a second. But look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter number 16. 1 Corinthians chapter number 16 and verse number 8. Let's back up to verse number 5. Now, I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. Sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. Now notice what's said. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is what? 
It's opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. Why is it that we are yielded to God until we get to the point of where the opportunities are? And then we either don't see the opportunity that God has given or we only see the opportunities that we make for ourselves. We find that when there's a call of God on our lives, there will be an assurance in our hearts. There will be opportunities that will be opened by the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. There will be an ability, number three. There will be an ability. When this call comes on our life, there will be an ability, an enabling of the Holy Spirit. Now notice in verse number 14, we've not read it as part of our text. But I'm going to read down verse number 11 until we get down to verse 14. Therefore, loosing from Troas. Now, again, Paul is following the leading of the Holy Spirit at this point. He's had the Macedonian call. Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothracia, and the next day to Neapolis, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony. And we were in that city, abiding certain days, and on the Sabbath we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down, <coughs> and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart, notice this, whose heart, what? The Lord opened. Not Paul. Not, not Paul's uh, charisma. Not Paul's uh, uh, pulpiteering capability. Not, not the fact that Paul could get up and, and preach a, a great, great sermon. But God, the Lord Himself, Opens the heart of Lydia. And by the way, while we can lead people to the Lord Jesus Christ, only God can give the increase and save them. And so we need to be sensitive to this thing, that there's an enabling and an ability that God gives. The Lord opened her heart, and she attended unto those things which were spoken of Paul. Why did she believe Paul's message? Because the Holy Spirit worked on her heart. When there's a call of God on our life, when there's a yieldedness to the Holy Spirit of God, He brings vision, we see the need, there is a call. The call will be assured in our hearts, there will be opportunity that's presented itself by the Holy Spirit, and there will be a supernatural enabling of ability to accomplish the work and the opportunity that God has brought our way. And then I want you to notice also as we go back to Acts chapter 16, and we'll finish with this. <clears throat> with regards to the call, it will always be to do God's work. God doesn't put a call on our lives for our own personal gain. He puts a call on our lives to do His work. I've heard people say, well, I think God wants this, and it's all about how it benefits them as a person. Can I tell you this? That's not God's call on your life. God's call on your life will always be to do His work. Notice the call that God put on Paul. Verse number 10, Assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us, what? For to preach the gospel unto them. God's not going to call you to something that you just consume upon your own lusts. He's going to call you to do His work. 
the results of being yielded to the Holy Spirit. We preach about the necessary, how necessary it is that we be yielded. We preach often on how urgent the need is that we be yielded to the Holy Spirit. But many times we don't understand the process involved, nor do we understand what all it will accomplish. I've seen a lot of Christians. The sad fact of the matter is I've been in the place where my vision was not what it needed to be. Spiritually speaking, I feel like there are times in my life I've sat in a seventh grade or sixth grade classroom looking at a blackboard, unable to see it. God's Word tells us very clearly, but yet we don't see it as we should. The need is right in front of us, and yet we many times don't see it as we should. And God's call is lingering for us. And yet we do not hear it because we are not yielded to the Holy Spirit. Can I urge upon you the urgency, the necessity of being yielded to Him? To getting to the place where we come to Him regularly, not just daily, but even throughout our day, to say, Lord, not my will. I, I want what you want accomplished today. In our morning devotion time, oftentimes, At the end of it, as I pray, I say, Lord, show us today what you want us to do. Direct our paths. Open the opportunities that you want us to go through. Make them plain. Make them clear. Help us to understand them. And by praying that, what I'm saying is, Lord, help us to be yielded. Help us to be yielded to you. I hope that will be a help to you. And I pray that that will be something that perhaps will guide us and instruct us in this thing of being yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. What a joy it is that You've given us Your Comforter. I'm thankful that I do not have to go through this life trying to make uh, the best decisions and choices that I can make. I'm thankful that I have You to lead and to guide in my heart. You've chosen to do that by the leading of Your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that You would help us to have a vision that is very, very clear as we yield ourselves to You. That we would have a vision to see clearly the need and that we will be assured in our hearts of the call that You've placed upon us. May You dismiss us with Your blessings, Lord. Thank You for those that have tuned in by way of the live stream this morning. I pray that You would work in their hearts as though they were here in person. Lord, I understand that it's difficult being separated, but I pray that you would stir afresh and anew in their hearts and in their lives this thing of being yielded. Lord, may you revive in our hearts the urgency, the stirring of it. Bless us now, we pray. May we bring honor and glory to you in all that we say and do this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, God bless you. We'll be back about one o'clock or so.